Welcome team. Now, you know when I say team, I want to treat every single listener the same way I treat any athlete or person I work with, and that is to expose them with people who are at the top of their game, who either through teaching or inspiring or sharing wisdom with will always build you up. Uh, today, I'm really, really excited because I'm, I'm bringing on the show a great friend of mine who I've worked with now for nearly 20 years on and off, uh, Distinguished Professor in Sport and Exercise Science. Now, that's a pretty fancy title, Distinguished Professor, but it is like it's talk me through the that title and help people understand. So there's sports scientists, doctors, there's like you, you're heading up University of Sydney, you're UTS here, you're, you are the big dog. I'm interviewing you now in a boardroom upstairs where you have the corner office overlooking Moore Park, the Sydney Footy Stadium. You've got the number one car spot downstairs. Like, let's talk about this title straight away. What does distinguished professor actually mean? This episode of GTE is brought to you by Pain Away, Australia's number one joint and muscle relief since 1999. Find out more at painaway.com. Hi, H. First of all, thanks for having me on. Um, good to catch up with you. Obviously, we go back a long way, um, and we started this journey together, so um, I'm pretty happy to have a chat with you, and uh, we'll keep it real, though. I won't emphasize yeah. anything about being distinguished. Yes. Um, that, that title is a title that the university gives me for work, so I'm, I'm lucky to have that title. Um, but really, in terms of my role, um, I'm, a, I'm a professor at a university. My main job is to research and teach, um, the best part of my job, I think, is the development of other people, where I get to supervise PhD students. Um, and as you know, we might get into this in discussion, I've been doing this for 20 years, where we get to, I've been lucky enough to do research projects, and I'm, uh, I like research, and I like sport, and we research in sport, and I try to prepare people for working in industry, working with people like you, um, and try and take that theory and translate that to practice. So when you get a PhD, which is just a series of studies, you get a title, I call you doctor. Yep. Not a real doctor, as my kids let me know. Their dad, you're not a real doctor. You're not a doctor that makes you better. Um, and then the university gives you titles based on performance. But um, we'll get it away from titles. We'll get away to well, yeah, things I, are important, eh? I know you're all, you always were very humble. I guess I wanted to introduce you with that title because for the listeners out there, I, I'm I'm telling them that I'm bringing them people at the top of their game, and it is a prestigious title, whether you like it or not. You're very humble, but not everybody gets that title. And now there's a thousand PhD people out there, hopefully listening. But you are, I am bringing someone to the show at the top of their game, and I well, you consult to many different teams around the world. Um, we probably might go there in conversation. Um, but you've always remained really humble and the best thing you always did with me was keep things very, very practical. Um, so yeah, well, what I wanted to talk to you about today is not so much a science, sports science podcast. I, I'm, we've just finished having a meeting with one of your PhD students. Who well, two actually, really, when, two, when you think yeah, about it. Two, yeah. who, um, I guess I, I want to go where, I want to know the qualities you see in these these guys that I've been fortunate to have quite a few of your PhDs come through and work with me over the years. Now, I saw qualities in them, but what is it that, you know, like you've got, you've got people now working in the NRL, in the NBA, in the NFL, in, in many of the biggest leagues in soccer around the world, football. Yeah. Like, 
you've got people that have come under you that are now working day to day at the very top uh, what did you see in them what what was it about these guys and we we might mention a few but what was it about these guys that has enabled them to get where they are now well, so a bit of context i suppose yeah i've a lot of people coming with me at university do a PhD with the with the aim of working in, in, in sport and work in sports science and um and and you hit on one of my things I like to do is bridge a gap in terms of theory to practice, um, get to the coalface and, and use science that can make a difference on the field and uh, we do our best to do that. Um, not everything we do works, but things we do we dismiss it doesn't work and, and over time I suppose I've supervised nearly 30 PhD students and a lot of those have gone in to have really successful personal careers and I'm obviously I um I really sort of uh, enjoy watching their successes and some of them have gone on to some of the biggest leagues others you know um work in schools they work in different places all just as important but some associated with really important brands um and, and I suppose that gets the attention uh, the most important thing they're passionate um, the students that come in and you know some are extroverts some are introverts um, they all come in and, and when you get them coming in they're, they're not they're all raw material um, and you look at the, the raw the passion they're dedicated um, they're uh, they're usually pretty humble or they get made pretty humble over time I think that's a way sort of a group behavior um, and we always have a lot of fun in what we do so we always try to have a lot of fun uh, one of the things that, that I've I'd really like to do is um, match them up with industry. So put them in industry and work so they can actually, you know, short the chickens out from the pigeon, so to speak, and what's theoretically strong but practically not useful compared to something that is that is useful and theoretically strong. Um, and to do that, match them up with coaches. And, and one of the things that we lack, well, I think it's missing now in our preparation is preparing coaches and coaches is come around about having expertise um, and I think matching up for coaches like yourself and many others we can talk about you probably many others you had in a show that have been lucky enough to work with you guys and that teaches our students what's important what high performance is and how to get things out of a you know, performance or, or, or optimal health out of an individual and um, we just put some measurement tools out of that in our experience to try to make tools I suppose that we can use to help you make decisions in your job to make football players better or any other athletes um, better at what they do. Yeah it'd be interesting about the challenges maybe some of those students have faced when they've come into club so I'm thinking of one of the first students you you sent to me and uh, Dr Anita Sorodic who is now I think she's heading up Catapult. Catapult um, software. Yeah um, software. Yeah, 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 so she became head of sports science there at the Parramatta Eels, did the same at the Melbourne Storm and moved on more in a, a different role now, not actually working with teams. But I remember some challenges we faced early on was like trying to sell the value of a sports scientist to a club. I embraced it massive. You were always my consultant, if you like. You're always my sounding board. So you never had to sell the value of sports science to me, but we we had a challenge selling it. If I can remember, her first payment was $6,000 from like the club yeah. and she would go and work in a shoe shop at night time in and around working with an NRL team, a shoe shop, completing a PhD. And then I think we got it to a, a 25 grand level and then it went, and now eventually she become high paid. Yeah, yeah. Um, but talk about doing your time. Like the first year was free, to be honest. Yeah. Second year... I managed to sell to the club, listen, this girl's really good. 
um, we need to pay her. My story, I've got, I've that got was a good, challenge. Good recollection about that one. We, we always go in for free, right? But first of all, 20 years ago, what we did, it was quite new. And why would you pay for it, right? It was, mm. I was quite naive and, and like I was just passionate about it and thought, you know, we can do these things. I'm learning at uni, I can apply this here. Anyway, so the, one of the big stories, as I, as I recall it, right, it's probably rose-coloured glasses 15, 20 years later, but I remember we had a training session and we were measuring some monitoring for a study we are doing and some of our monitoring flagged a couple of players and we went to Smithies, a couple of these players are highlighted red here, so we've got, you know, we could have some concerns, should modify training and Brian didn't know me from a bar of soap at the time, really, or an eater. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I think it happened coincidentally, a couple of those players we highlighted got an injury on that session. And I think that was the instigator. If, is that, am I yes. recalling well, that correctly? Well, Brian Smith was a very smart coach. Yes, very. Very smart coach. And he embraced it. So it was more selling the value to the actual hierarchy and, say, the, the management of, like, we need to create a position and put a dollar figure to it. Yeah. I don't think we ever struggled with someone as smart as Brian to embrace it. Like, he was he was fantastic for what we were trying to do back then. He and jumped on straight away, right? Yeah. Once he saw that, I remember, and he said, what have we got to do to get yeah. this girl here? Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. It was... So... But the qualities I saw in Anita was just a workaholic. How hard she worked. She's oh, the hardest wow. gym to add. Yeah. You know, Brian Smith was one to be their first car in the car park last to leave, but it actually he ended up getting beaten by Anita. Yeah. You know, like she was a hard worker. Yeah, most of, most of my students are hard workers. Yeah. But they're into it. They don't look at it as work, I don't think, mm. to be honest. Yeah, 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 yeah. They love it. and That's easy for me to say, right? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you yeah. should ask them. And for a young girl coming into a, an all-male sport, she, she was very professional, always maintained a real um, professional standard. Yeah. But I always use the rules. I use three, three things that I often refer to in the podcast is, do you know what to do? Do you have the resources to do it? And do you really, really want to do it? And if you really want to do it, the evidence, you'll show evidence. So I look at that student, I look at Anita. She, she knew what to do and you were guiding her. She had the resources to do it. I guess her resources were you and the uni, university, but also her own smarts like you so she had the resources but the evidence she showed of really really wanting to do it she was making sacrifices like financial sacrifices she was like i said first there last to leave she was oh some of the stuff she was going through to to earn a few thousand dollars um obviously it's paid her back later but she ticked all those three things and then we've had other students come through so the tommy's tommy uh, I'm currently working day to day with Tom Lovell, but you also had you sent us Tom Kemp, Tom Kempton yeah. once. Uh, he's a he's brilliant. He he's at Carlton Footy Club now. Yeah. He was at another level. He was yeah. brilliant. Uh, another one who's dedicated. Yeah, dedicated and just passionate. Uh, Johan, you had Johan Billsborough, who um, for me, uh, or you, he didn't come through me at all, but you got him to consult on one occasion for me with a couple of athletes, and he. He was just on another planet. How good he was! His attention to detail, his, oh. you know, his, his dedication. Like nearly all PhDs, that's what it takes. Though. Like yes. to do that, you've got to be like any trade to become a level of expertise. You've got to put a lot of time into it, and to do that, you've got to be dedicated to it. And if you're, you're not into it, you don't dedicate the time, yeah. right? So it's almost like requisite to get the job done. Yes, that's what you need. So you never sent me a dud. You always sent me good ones. So Tommy Kempton's now in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Carlton. Yeah, head of sports science. Head of sports Carlton. science. Tom Lovell, head of sports science at Penrith Panthers. Yeah. Uh, 
Johan. He's a, he's has a, he settled down? He's a performance <laughs> manager at New England Patriots. So, so he's been at he's Celtics. Just finished yeah. winning the Super Bowl. And he was at the Celtics, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's been there for the US for about five years now. Yeah. Um, you've had other PhD students uh, that you've introduced me to along the way, but never worked with me personally. But you can you can see where that, like some are Juventus. Yeah, yeah or some are in other clubs some around the world. Other clubs around the world. Yeah. Um, but for me, my biggest thing is those three rules, and I look for the evidence of them really wanting to do it. So Tommy has now brought students under him now in his role of head of sports science now he brings some other students under him and you can see when you arrive like we have an early start in the pre-season players might be in from 6 a.m i see tommy's students there at 5 a.m so like these guys are making sacrifices and they it's again for me it's evidence that they really want to be there what are you doing there at 5 a.m yeah i know <laughs> it's crazy um but it's evidence. We, we need a team of people that really want to be there. Uh, so, yeah, there were some challenges early on, but the, the industry now seems to be... Are you happy where it's at or it's still... Oh, there's some challenges. Like, I think there's a... In, if you if call it industry, the profession of sport and exercise science, um, you know, high performance, It's a, everybody wants to do it. And, and so what people have done, young kids have done, have got more and more qualified. But mm. what they need to do, and one of the challenges is, as I was saying before, is also get that practical experience. Go and get the coaching experience, the behaviour change experience. Understand what real high performance is. It's not knowing the detail. Like obviously, understand, knowing your stuff is important and, and understanding the facts. But understanding how to apply that, how to work with people, how to work as a team. Um, and all those factors are, are really important to becoming successful as a practitioner. It's more than just knowing your stuff. And I would argue that we're, not, we're losing some of, well, I'd say it would be better if we get more people with more um, coaching behaviour change expertise. Some of those are innate qualities. Some of those can be taught and role modelled. And, and that's been, I suppose, one of the unplanned successes of doing this um, PhDs, working with people like yourself and, mm. and um, John Quinn and other great coaches that we've worked with, is that they get role modelled this um, and they get to see insights that you won't get in a university. Mm. Um, and that's really important. And I suppose that's a role of any type of internship, but yep. if you do an internship, make sure it's valuable. You know? And I see that's, uh, that's a challenge that we, we continue to have to prepare people to get those qualities. And from my end, what coaches are looking for, whether it be head coaches, whether it be performance coaches, what they're looking for is people that come from you but come out pretty humble because there are some that... Well, sometimes your students could walk into any organisation and be the smartest person in the building. But sometimes they make the mistake of thinking, well, I know more than the head coach or I know more than this person and... That doesn't work in team sport. You need to be humble. Yeah, yeah but knowledge is, ex is is context specific, right? You might mm. be good in one environment, but be totally useless in another yeah. environment. So you, your knowledge is only ap applies in the context, and um, it'd be really dangerous to dismiss um, knowledge and not respect the yeah. knowledge that's come before you. And I think that's really important by understanding that by working with other people. So you must get that across because all the people we've just name dropped a few of them. They are all very humble. Yeah, yeah, they are. They're yeah. good people. They're good, yeah, people. good people. Whatever makes yeah. it call, they're good people. And they work hard. All those things. And you have well. to go and fit into a culture. You have to. You have to be. Not uh, dare I say book smart. You have to be mm. smart. You have to be almost street, street smart. smart. Yeah, it's a part when of you it. go into an organisation, you need to be a student not only of you and your work. 
you need to be a student of the sport that you're going into and you need to embrace yeah, I and think work it, on other skills that maybe you don't learn. Yeah, so it's in culture, the environment's created yeah. around you, right? It's not yeah. one person that makes it that way. It's a group of people. So you've yeah. got to create a supportive environment that develops people that way and sort of what the values and the behaviours that we they're expected around here and that's sort of how it does it gets contagious yeah, yeah. Um, and we've all been in good and bad environments and we're lucky enough here um, I'm at UTS here here in our group we've got a really good positive environment yes. and um, that's you know, not just come through my supervision there's many other people here who produce good quality students who, who do that it is an amazing facility you've built here in uh, I didn't build prime it. land space in Sydney so you guys listening overseas if you ever if you ever come to Australia you visit UTS in uh, smack bang in the middle of the city this is this is a beauty. Like, yeah, we're lucky. Yeah, really lucky. Really good. And you travel the world constantly. Uh, I was at Juventus last year, spending a week. Which you you originally did the intro for me with, with some staff at Juventus, some great people. But I was there a couple of days before you were going to arrive, and it was like God was coming. It was like, Aaron Coots is coming. Aaron Coots arrives in two days. Aaron Coots arrives in one day. You are very well respected by, this is one of the biggest clubs in the world. So I know you don't like me talking up you. We like talking up others, but it gets a bit embarrassing for you. But can we drop a few clubs where you've been and travelled to and consulted to but also have learnt from? Like you're always learning. I, I notice you go and you teach, but I've spent time with you in some big clubs and you're actually always learning as well. I'll go around. I'm lucky. I, I visit a lot of the big clubs of Commons. I, I know people. It's just from my work, right, through the research that me and the students have done. Yep. I'm lucky enough to get invited and, and present some of that research. Um, and, uh, yeah, you learn something everywhere you go. Um, famous clubs, not so famous clubs. You just – I like – I like your talk, best club. Right? The best club oh, you love no visiting. Club. They're, all oh. good. they're all good. I'm not going to give you anything. Yeah. yeah, so they're all great. Um, yes, no, but yes, I learn something yes. from everywhere. There's different cultures and people and some do some things well and other things not so well, um, like anywhere. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm lucky I have gone around and, 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 and lucky to have a lot of good people. So many people in what we do are dedicated to it. The, things, the qualities you described before are common in in people everywhere no matter you know what sport uh, yeah yeah so i think that when you hang around those type of people you get to learn from them you're really lucky um so so i'm not going to talk about that too much um but i've wanted some big name drops here you've given me nothing it's not going to happen nothing listeners just look up aaron coots and you'll find him across the biggest clubs in the world in all sports do you have a favorite sport yes train football you're right. Mm, That's football. what you grew up with. I grew up in born in Victoria, so uh, yeah, it's probably the least biggest sport on the world stage. Is you know, obviously part of my family and what I did as a kid. So, um, and so that's that's my favourite sport, I suppose. But I like all sport, right? It's it's yeah. um, something magic about sport, the competition of sport. And uh, your dad instilled it. a lot of good work ethics in you. I know we spoke about this before. Yeah. I know we didn't plan on talking just about you, but there's a lot of students listening who probably want to follow your career you had some good work ethics instilled in you very early well, my parents are farmers that's pretty hard work ethic my yeah. phd supervisor was a great guy who instilled those some of those things i said before about bridge the gap yeah. get the coal face i think 
my father would have disowned me if I had have done research. It didn't apply that you couldn't translate and use something useful. He thinks I'm taking the piss for a start working in a university <laughs> and working in sport. So and not a farmer. And not a farmer. <laughs> he, I think he actually quietly he likes that. Um, so you lived on a farm. I grew up in the outback. Yeah. So um, yeah. So I grew in the middle of Queensland, and you know, I can tell you stories about you know I'll get the school on an aeroplane someday. So wow. That was um, really unusual now, but at the time I didn't think anything of it. But yeah. basically, I lived about 90 kilometres from the nearest town. Grew up in the outback. Sport was central to any rural community or in a regional community, and yep. that's basically why sport become so important and like everybody's parents are pretty impactful mum and dad were pretty hard workers so um and they encouraged us to be to go to university get an education and it led from there okay so if there's a listener listening in america or Mm. jamaica or england Mm. can you explain come on talk to us about the outback because it is it intrigues like they're listening, oh, wow, you had snakes on your property? Or oh, you definitely had snakes. You know, had like pet, ca- pet kangaroos too, right? Yeah, so, yeah. talk um, to us. Oh, it's just a big space, big farm, basically, I grew up on. and um, Whereabouts? Uh, in central of, middle of um, Queensland. So, basically, in, in the middle of Queensland, fundamentally, which is a northern state of Australia, um, about 250 kilometres in advance. So, it's not the outback you see on Crocodile Dundee. Definitely not that. But yeah. there's still... No, my farm, my nearest neighbour was eight kilometres away. Um, Your nearest neighbour was yeah, eight yeah. kilometres Yeah, we had some away. workers on our farm and some, uh, th- that were closer than that, but our nearest non-family neighbours were eight kilometres away. Okay, a lot of overseas listeners know of a place called the Gold Coast. If you were to drive to the Gold Coast from your oh, place, I'd, what would it take oh, you? About eight hours. An eight-hour drive. In the south, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a, a so fair there's drive. listeners in England that don't like they. Some listeners in England don't travel further than eight kilometres to get to work. S- Your nearest neighbour was eight kilometres. Yeah, and the nearest yeah. decent sized town was ninety kilometres, roughly. So the nearest football club. Oh, oh shit! Uh, two hundred, two hundred kilometres, two hundred fifty kilometres. Right. Which code? So rugby league club would have been uh, ninety kilometres away. Ninety kilometres. Australian away. football, the sport that I grew up liking, was. 250, 270 k's away. Wow. So, um, and your school? How far away was school? 90 kilometres for primary school. Then I went to boarding school. So, so every morning to go to school, I got in a motorbike to drive to the front gate, caught a small bus about another 10 k's on a dirt road to the Bitchman Sealed Road, then caught what we called the big bus all the way into the town every day. Wow. So um, that we did that, got kicked off that bus a couple of times for misbehaving. Yeah, right. Yeah, so. No, that's great. I like... I like listening. Like there's there's something about you, the way you lead. You're very humble, but your your work ethic's unbelievable. And it kind of the students that have then gone on to work in these massive clubs, it, they have learnt these qualities. Whether you like talking about yourself yeah, or that, not, I think they have it when they come. Yeah, like it's just allowing people the environment to to, to believe in themselves, what they can do, um, and and so other people around here too. Like we've got a great positive um, feel around this place. Yeah, I can feel that. Like you actually, you don't just go in and teach in a room. You actually are very passionate about caring about their career. Like the amount of times you've actually called me to see how's Tommy going, how's Anita going, how, well, at the moment how's Jed going. Like you actually care and I think they feel that. Yeah, I hope so. Well, you know, it's a team team approach. So, yeah, so um, good, good group of people to work with. What's been your best, your highlight? So when... When I've seen you presenting around the world, people often know you to often talk about studies in training load and monitoring training and whatever. What, what's your what's your real passion? What is it like? What's your main topic? In, oh, I just like understanding um, how people like yourselves have prepared. What high performance is? What you need to do to do that? Yeah. And um, you know, we tried a lot of the work that we do is athlete monitoring, whether monitoring performance, monitoring training. 
try to keep athletes more available if they can. Um, it's a super complex problem. It's really difficult to say um, to solve. So I like being able to measure that and then develop systems to give information for you to make your decision. So we call it decision support systems, and that's what I really like doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, so, and I'm really fascinated at the moment about um, man versus machine. So can what do we do? How better is that than an expert coach, or is it not? And we've done some interesting early studies um, that comparing the, the monitoring to the coaches, and it's fascinating that, you know, that they're great coaches. There's a reason they're great coaches, because what they might say, it's a, there's an art in it. They see things over and over again like a scientific method, and, and their expertise is actually built on information, real information. And um, we need to take be very careful. We think we can outperform... Um, a human um, with some simple numbers. It takes a lot of numbers and a lot of time. And so we're not going to be replaced by artificial intelligence just yet. Mm. I remember just while you're talking about that, I remember you sent me away with a, I guess you would call it a wellness questionnaire. Um, this was in a World Cup campaign with the New Zealand Rugby League team in 2008. And it was all on paper. There was no iPhones, no iPads or anything. And the questionnaire was a series of questions that one of the coaches who talk about the art of coaching, he's the best ever. Um, we'll go down in the history of our game as possibly the best ever coach. At the moment, currently, if you look at results, he's the best coach in history, Wayne Bennett. Now, he looked at these bits of paper and he said to me, what are you doing to me, Hayden? What, what is this? What is this? And I said, listen, you won't be bothered with it at all you don't need to look at numbers all day i will just alert you if i ever need to alert you so every day the boys would fill in your questionnaire you gave me or anita actually at the time and one of the questions was around sleep sleep to me is possibly the most important thing and anyway i just got alerted that one in one player in particular hadn't slept for a couple of days or reported poor quality sleep and all it did, that number, that questionnaire, all it did was open up communication between me and the athlete that I wouldn't have otherwise had. I wouldn't have asked him, how do you sleep? So anyway, cutting the story short, this player was really struggling, a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of, am I in the team, am I out of the team? He was really nervous. He was losing sleep over being nervous. He hadn't been making the, the main team during the World Cup. Anyway, I said, so go and knock on Wayne's door. Wayne, I've got one for you. He said, what? I said, this player in particular hasn't been sleeping because of this, this and this. And it was time for me to refer this on to him because he's a genius. You talk about the art of coaching and the psychology behind it. And he said, righto, tell him my room, 3 o'clock. So anyway, I got this player to go to see Wayne at 3 o'clock. That player walked out of the room 10 foot tall and bulletproof. He made the team in the semi-final. He made the starting team in the World Cup final. And he wins a World Cup. Now, three weeks before, he wasn't making the team. He wasn't sleeping. He was nervous. He was in. That piece of paper actually got used... Yeah, it's how you use the information, the information itself. It's oh, the most important. Thing. I just realised when you were talking about like, you know, numbers versus the art and whatever. Like, if you can combine it, it's priceless. Like but for that player, that player doesn't know. He's never come and thanked me. Oh, by the way, thanks. I, I've got a memory forever now. I won a World Cup. Um, probably forgotten about that. He's probably forgotten. But that piece of paper was. Uh, 
Yeah. It was valuable. Yeah, well, that's if we use this properly, right? Mm. First of all, we shouldn't try to measure everything. We just important things. Um, and then if we got information, should act upon the information. And um, a lot of the work that we do is trying to understand okay, how, how reliable is this information and what does it mean and what's useful. Yeah. And, and I think it's only useful if you get it in the hands of decision makers and they know how to handle this information. And clearly there's the coaches, the experts, you know, and I think we could learn a lot working together. I mean, you and I have done it over 20 years. I reckon we've yeah. made a few blues with this yeah. stuff too, right? <laughs> but but a few mistakes. But um, I think it's good I to get those I don't think there's cases. ever been mistakes, but we have got better and better using yeah, or, or not using stuff that we don't yeah. need. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's you only use something if it's useful. So I look for evidence, right? In I look for evidence of want. You look for evidence. I look for evidence per se. Yes. Full stop. Yes. <laughs> you, that's it. Full stop. Now, you wouldn't let me go name dropping, but talk to me about... So I, I, I see a player and I see evidence how bad they really want it. Who are your favourite players you've ever kind of been in and around like just yeah I, I, I don't claim i've been close to all the players i work with people who are close to players yeah, yeah but i yeah. i really um a lot of players and um that i admire the ones who are dedicated professional they do every night like some of them are just talented right some of them are just amazingly talented and, you, and once you've got that well that's amazing but yeah, i really like yeah. the ones who are talented and they dedicate themselves and they um they dot the i's and cross the t's um to do you know what they need to do to get there so I've been lucky enough to work well, around a few or with people who work with a few and um, yep. no, the ones I mostly work with in AFL, um, yep. a few rugby league players. Um, but um, Righto, give us your best AFL player oh, from best, observations best, well, that you've... Chris Judd and James Herb were both fair, both fair players right. um, and they, they were both very professional. Um, but, you know, like John Quinn worked closer then or other high-performance managers. I, w- I didn't work directly with them. I worked with the Yeah, but you were able to observe them in and training. I observed and them. That's yeah, what I, yeah, I really yeah, appreciate, yeah. those who were dedicated and... Many of the athletes. Rugby league gives you number one. I enjoyed Nathan Highmarsh for me or Nathan yeah. Kalis, right? Those guys yeah. there were fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, I can't believe I've just asked you to name drop and you didn't even mention Ronaldo. No, I, so, I don't know him. <laughs> I don't know him. So, mate. so to put the listeners, mm. put the listeners in uh, perspective here. The week in Juventus last year when the godfather Aaron Coots was arriving... We both presented some topics, but Aaron was, uh, you know, Aaron had a room full of people on the edge of their seats doing what he does best, and then the club presented him with a Ronaldo jersey, if I can remember. Mm. Um, but we talk about some of those qualities in the staff over there. How humble were those guys? They are constantly trying to learn. They would work one day, you know, our friend Duccio, one day he'd be working with Ronaldo one day and he worked with the under-17 team the next. He would go work with the women's team. Like, they... they um, They're a professional organisation. They had a great staff that nothing was too big, too small. Whether you were Ronaldo or you were the under-17s player, they treated... They, they looked like they treated them with the same care. Um, but to talk about qualities, I did ask him, what has Ronaldo brought to the team besides, obviously, packing stadiums and selling jerseys and winning them games like what else has he brought and they basically told me that he would before he came some players may just hang around the change room and you know very relaxed around right oh when you know they could be pretty cool and possibly not doing all the dotting the i's crossing the t's he said ronaldo comes everyone's now in the gym first thing in the morning because ronaldo's in there after training ronaldo's in there you know like 
still the best player in the world, still practices the most. So he, they tell me that he has lifted their whole place with his work ethic and his professionalism, which is, I know it's not sciencey for you, but those are the things that I, I definitely look for. He, he has really influenced their place, and I only got to see him a couple of times, and the first impression I had was when, he's, when he walks in that gym, the whole energy changed. Like, it was, it, it was contagious. It, I don't know how you measure that, Aaron, but it was contagious. And, yeah, it was really cool to, to see the way someone like him works. And I've been privileged to watch a lot of athletes of different sports, but that was pretty cool to hear that not only is he scoring them goals, but he's influencing these younger guys. And, yeah... But it's you, like any organisation, right? Mm. The leaders have that responsibility. Yeah, you know, and some people have it innately, um, but it, you can the, the underestimate the influence you have on others. Yeah, I think it's really important. We can be a good leader or a poor leader, right? Still got to be a leader, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was a good one. Yeah. But I really try to get some name drops out of you there, and I got nothing. But uh, thanks so much, mate. I honestly, I could talk all day. I tried not to uh, go down the science approach, but I'm hoping. A lot of students that are following this type of career path realise some of the qualities that we've spoke about yeah, will help them. So qualities of successful people anywhere are, are pretty general, right? And yeah. uh, some of the things that we've talked about apply anywhere. Yeah. yeah so yeah. so thanks for your time. Thanks, I know Mitch. it's valuable. You've got another meeting to go to right now. I, pr- I said 30 minutes. We've gone 33. So uh, thanks very much. And we'll hopefully uh, spread this around the world because you are world famous. I'm happy to have a chat, mate. Thanks, mate. Good to see you, mate. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of GTE with Hayden Knowles. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review to help grow the team.